Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. Sitting here outside with Cody and Trent from Born and Raised Outdoors. Guys, thanks for joining us. Hey, anytime. Love it when you guys come over and eat yeah. all my food. Been, uh, been it's eating been quite some good food. Yeah, the ribeyes last Took night. Took a fish striped bass. Didn't catch a single fish. Okay, easy, easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a cook, not a guy, for crying out loud. <laughs> I was going to say, you're a much better <laughs> camp cook than hunting. I and think, I think Mark said, is like, I wonder how much he paid for that fish at the store the other day. Was it a fret cost? rough. At least you guys got to taste one, even if someone else caught it yeah. off the, you know, on the market. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was delicious. Oh, man. Yeah, we've been hanging out for a couple days, recording some content for our podcast for your podcast for the youtube channel so been having a heck of a lot of fun and thought might as well knock out this monday minute while we're here as well i'll let you two decide who wants to fight over this first one and then we'll alternate from there but the first question uh our first topic is the final moment mindset and so basically the idea here is when do you go into full-on hunt mode right so you're out in a hunt and yeah you're covering country and looking for game but when that switch flips the opportunity is close or imminent or present, your mindset changes, tactics slow down, things like that. Just wanna hear like, what is your mindset during that? Are you very, uh, very instinctive? Are you very analytical? Like, how do things slow down in that final moment for a shot opportunity uh, for you personally? So it's in, you two fight, who wants that one? I'll, I'll take it. Bring it. I feel, I feel like I got this, okay? You got no. it. I think that comes with practice and repetition. So, like, when you're practicing at uh, Target or whatever it may be, um, and I, I, I kind of relate that go time as in you got a caller behind you and there's a bull coming in and this is your time to shine. This is what you have to do. And when either you're what, – what I would recommend everybody do is practice that at the range. So the first thing you're going to do is clear out wherever your feet are at. Get your stance, wherever your stance is, and clear some sticks away is what I do. And so I'm not, if I have to do, if I have to pivot or something, I'm not popping a limb or something of that nature. And, and then it's your grip on your bow. And it has to be the same every time. And all this is a sequence that you need to go through in practice and just practicing. Uh, 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 I like to practice it like a foam elk or something like that. So it kind of gives you that instead of shooting at a dot, you're shooting at heart and lungs from that crease of the shoulder so it's going to be your grip okay and then it's going to be where i set my bow honestly where i position my bow like against my leg or down to where right before i know i'm going to draw so and then it's release on your release is always in the same same spot as you i always mark my release so i don't buckle it one too tight or one too short i always mark my release with tape so i can't buckle it any further um, just simple things like that, that you can do not even in season, not even around an elk, not even, even close to the hunting scenario to where it's just, it's a muscle memory and you get into that muscle memory and you draw your bow and your anchor spot's going to be the same every time because you've practiced it a thousand times. And then all it is from there is, you know, you've in your scenario, Okay, back up a little bit. After the stance, after the grip and everything, I am ranging things in my head. That's 20. If he comes out there, I'm going to shoot him for 25. If he comes out there, I'm going to shoot him for 30. And so getting those markers in your head, and then from there on, it's just 
shooting at the foam elk, you know, honestly, it's drawing, picking a spot. You already know your range. Everything's the same. And you've already done it a thousand times on the range rather than just doing it for the first time and panicking and hoping the artery is right and shooting the shot. Mm. Are you, you, you said you're, you're getting ranges. I'm assuming you're also picking your shooting lanes and yeah. going through like, all right, here's option A, B, C, D. Um, what's that kind of just yeah, I guess that that's in the setup. So a lot of times before we split up the caller and 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 the shooter, a lot of times we will talk about that and look at shooting lanes, possible shooting lanes from our position right there and say, I'm going to move up to there because it looks like I have at least two lanes from there. And then either the caller will drop back or I'll move to a forward position to where I can actually have more lanes. And so that would probably be first as far as just getting to where it's open enough to where, okay, I've got lanes, I've got, you know, this is a pretty decent scenario. And then going through your, just your call, your, your shooter setup, your shooter stance, all that stuff. But the lanes and everything, you were talking about the question was kind of like, what do you do in the moment of truth? I think the lanes and stuff and figuring that out is kind of like, in the scenario, whereas like the moment of true things, you've already practiced numerous times to where it's muscle memory at that point. Yeah. So it sounds like you're very, I don't want to say analytical, but you have like a step-by-step process or formula, yeah. but the whole goal is to execute that so almost subconsciously, like automatically. So the analytical part is everything you've done yeah. to develop that process preseason, and now in the moment, it's just execute. And that'll help the butterflies, the bull fever, whatever you want to call it. That'll that'll yeah. help a ton with that because your muscle memory is like, okay, I'm going to just execute the shot, right? I think, especially for newer hunters especially newer hunters to a particular species even that 3d practice really does help it does i mean yeah and so you, you've shot an yeah. elk you maybe you've never shot an elk before in your life but you've shot a 3d elk hundreds and, of times yeah. so i like think to reiterate matters. like trent in the message he's saying is like control the things you can control like be comfortable in it have confidence in it and go crush it like that he may come into the wrong shooting lane he may, it may be a total different but and everything that you can control, which would be your shot process, it's the same every time. I like it. Not so much with mindset. Where are you positioning yourself? In front of a bush, behind a bush, kneeling, standing. So always in front. Try to stay out of the sun. Try to stay in a shaded spot. Try to uh, and 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 imitate the draw. Like you don't have to draw your bow, but imitate it. Like, am I going to hit a limb to where it's going to shake the whole limb to where you know? Kind of go through the process as you're standing there. Like, okay, this. This spot will work, right? This this spot will actually this will be this will suffice what I need to do, and um, before before even looking back at Cody and saying, okay, go ahead and start calling, you know, have all that stuff done to where okay, that's in the bag, and now let's just move forward from here on. Prefer to set up with a lot of shooting lanes or thicker. It depends. A lot of times we don't have choice, but if. If I have my druthers, it would be a couple few shooting lanes rather than wide open spaces. One, it's going to be easier to judge yardage. So if I've got a couple shooting lanes, I know in those two shooting lanes, this is 30, this is 40. Can't shoot 50, it's too thick, right? He has to come into here to see me. So if it's super thick, or I mean, if it's super open, he comes to 80, you know, I can't do anything anyway, you know, so I would rather have it a little bit thicker and have him have to make the play into the shooting lane. And that's where have your career, have your call in your mouth too. So you can draw and I would, I would really, really 
have people practice drawing their bow and you know calling making a cow call you know and doing that because how many times have we done it uh, yeah. to stop an elk a ton of times you know or you know yeah or doing the cougar call whatever we call it you know getting getting that that moment to where you're going to have to shoot right then it's time to make it happen and then like in the practice side of it i know trent does this a lot is like forcing yourself the first arrow of of practice exactly exa is like literally go through that like okay that bull just stepped out i'm gonna draw i'm gonna anchor i'm gonna check my bubble pins good yardage good send it you know and then that's your arrow like that's what you get and yeah. usually that's pretty much all you get what changes on a rifle hunt same same kind of process i think and that's what i've i've noticed as far as you get into a routine right to where um for one rifle i want to get prone every single time if i can't shoot prone if it's over a hundred yards i i I'm probably not gonna take the shot. I'm gonna look for a prone angle just because the confidence is so much more in a prone shot. So even with a standing shot on a limb or something like that, I'm not as confident at all as just laying on the ground, having two points of contact, you know, your butt and your tripod and, and uh, or bipod or whatever it may be. But, um, but yeah, and then it's, then it's shot process from there. So range the animal, dope the scope, whatever you need to do um, and, and it's just go through the checklist of things and do all the things that you can control so your heart rate just doesn't start. You're just going, I'm just about ready to kill an elk. I'm just about ready to shoot an elk. I can't believe it. You know what I mean? So going through those things and making those things that you can control in that shot process. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Cody, kick this one off. So the next big topic is essentially unconventional wisdom and tactics and so the idea here is essentially anything for you personally that you know maybe counterintuitive go against conventional wisdom maybe it's just some like undervalued hunting advice um and it, it doesn't have to be tactics it could be something like animal patterns or behaviors that you observe but don't see communicated or you know discussed enough right so anything <laughs> under that unconventional way. Yeah, I'm, glad I take the first one. Yeah. I'm really <laughs> glad that I really reached out there. Oh man, unconventional. If you want tactics. to simplify it, we'll put it this way. What do you do or how do you hunt differently than hunters may expect? Um so I mean, right off the bat, I think the mentality of like I gotta go deeper, farther, harder than anyone, you know, is is one where there's a lot of overlooked opportunities that you know, it's, it may be harder to access, but it's not like deeper, further, you know, in, in that sense. And in this case, um, in New Mexico last year, like we were literally hunting off a highway, cars in the background, bulls screaming, everyone drove by it. It was, it looked like private cause it was fenced for cattle and you know, it had, it was all public. And so, you know, one of those way overlooked the, the, the vehicle traffic did not affect the elk at all one bit. Um, and I think that's, that's one that we've learned over time. Like we used to have that mentality is like we had a destination. We're going to go, we're not going to start hunting till we're six or eight miles in. Like we're just death hiking, marching in there and then we'll start hunting. And it's like, we've learned that there's as many or more pressure back there than it is in these isolated, weird kind of overlooked pockets. So I think that unconventionally, you know, is like um, definitely look at the big picture 
of things and don't get so hyper-focused as like a destination and kind of open your eyes as to what other kind of opportunities. And then, you know, using um, the people surrounding you and pressure to like help reveal those things. You know, it's like, okay, we know there's this many vehicles up the trailhead. Well, there's this whole other little like corner wedge of the wilderness or whatever that the road kind of almost touches right there, but there's no trails. There's, you know, let's go hunt this smaller two by three mile area versus this 10 by five mile area. We did that in 17 in Colorado, remember? Like yeah. We went to one trailhead, just trucks everywhere to the next one. I'm like, well, let's go smack dab in the middle. Like, yeah. If there's pressure on both sides, like there's yep. going to be elk in the middle and yep. it worked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that for the unconventional wisdom would be yeah. where I'm, I'm at. I like it. Trent, uh, it's probably related to what you talked about in the first one, but the next category is keys to consistency. And uh, basically, if you boil it down... Do you feel that your strength and inconsistency over the years is one of the questions I have is preseason scouting. I know that's not for you, right? So We don't um, do too much of it. We don't do too much <laughs> scouting. But what would you say that is? Like sum it all together, boil it down. You are consistent because of what? Teamwork. Teamwork. 100%. 100% teamwork. It's because that the guy behind you is willing to give up his tag for you. That's why we're, co that's why we're so consistent. And I, I believe that to my core, as far as if you're selfless and you work your butt off for that other guy, you will be rewarded tenfold, whether it be a tag filled, whether it be whatever it may be, um, whatever is important to you in that hunt, hundred percent, it would be, it would just be working as a team and when we when we're clicking and you can really feel it like when we are really running all on the same cylinder it's you, you can just feel like dude we can't lose we can't we're, we're gonna be successful it's just a matter of time at that point right it's what it's, it's the way I, I i could explain it i guess it's just like because we know it's, it's just gonna and it's that whole mentality of it only takes one right mm -hmm. and it, it, if you're if you stay with it and stay after it i really do believe we've we were we've hunted i don't know how many years together but honestly there's only been a couple of years that all of us didn't get an opportunity or one of us didn't get an opportunity. i, I mean one I, year i didn't get an opportunity and yeah i can't I mean, think that, of another one uh, yeah no i yeah exactly of a shot opportunity i think that was like 2010 you did not get an opportunity and that was the first time and i think since then it's been pretty well like everyone has has had an opportunity and that's impressive i think it's impressive and it, it speaks for like that consistency thing right like we know it's going to happen at some point we're just you know have to keep keep at it and keep trying until it does yeah and it's the never quit type attitude yeah. how how do you have the confidence to know it's going to happen at some point how did that develop i think honestly it's it's one of those sayings where the future it's pretty much predicted on what's happened in the past. So it's like, it's been consistent for this long. And the other one I'll bring up is like, after you start killing things, killing becomes a habit. And I do believe that like, you, you talk to a lot of guys where it takes them a long time to get their first elk. And then they're just consistent after that every year because they've, they've, they've turned that all the way over. They've, they've made that shift in from becoming a hunter to a killer. And I believe that's a real thing. You so know? how, how, if someone talk to that guy right now that's listening to two years into it and hasn't killed an elk yet, like how do you turn that page 
yeah. to get to that next stage, right? Like, and that just comes from time. That comes yeah. from, honestly, it comes from mistakes is what it comes from. Mistakes, and that's where we've tried to like show the videos of all our mistakes, and maybe that'll cut down somebody's learning curve a little bit, you know, to where it's like, no, I saw them do this, and that really didn't work. And um, but you're always going to have mistakes. It's how you approach them and how you learn from them and move forward from them. So with wind, with anything yeah. of that nature, and really there are no shortcuts, and it's like it's going to take time in the field. Like the person that is already questioning themselves at two years and they haven't killed one and like, am I ever going to kill one? Then, then quit because you've already given up on yourself of like, uh, under like enjoying the process of learning and the struggles and the challenges. Of it. Any like just super practical tips for guys who've maybe hunted together a couple times, but they don't necessarily feel like they're effective, right? Like as a team, like, so how do you know, you take a couple hunting buddies and they go on an elk hunt every year, do this hunt. How do they, operate more efficiently and more effectively together as a team communication you know and, and common goals so like work together to reach those goals and what you know it's to call a bull in like that's step number one you to have that encounter okay that went wrong array what take a second back what kind of went wrong is it something we did is it something we couldn't control okay let's learn from that we approach the next one Let's not do that again and, you know, and kind of build on that base knowledge to where we're, when we hunt together, we just make those movements and roles fall into place just because we've been there, done that. Yeah. And it goes back to that selfless, you know, being selfless and being like, okay, well, I'm, I'm here to, to help Cody in any way that I can for him to become successful, right? And he's going to do it for you. And so you're not learning by yourself. You're getting four heads all put together to try to make the best outcome of the situation. Um, Trent, you mentioned mistakes and that's actually the next category. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll throw this one at you, Cody, to begin with, but the idea is the mistakes that made you better. And so what are some specific lessons you learned the hard way or maybe a specific story where you made a mistake and it's something you refer back to now uh, and you know you're a better hunter because of that specific mistake or situation? I think there's two things, right? There's you didn't stop and think about what the next move was. And then the flip side of that is you waited too long to make a decision. You know, you, you, you prolonged it and didn't make a decision in this, in the worryment of I'm going to make a mistake. And I think that that's probably like the, the common deals, like someone freezes and they won't make a decision. And then the elk makes the decision for him, but it's too late. And, the, you know, they're, they're stuck there in no man's land. So no to, decision is the wrong decision. Right. No decision is the wrong decision, but also like being hasty about something, you know, and just like rushing into something too. It's like, it's, it's a weird dynamic. So I'm like contradicting, but slow it down. Just take that brief second. If someone's there with you, like, here's where I'm thinking, what do you think? Okay, cool. Let's make that as, you know. Let's be confident and make that decision, make the movement, whatever it needs to do. Um, and, and don't be afraid to ask for guidance. And I think, you know, in, in our scenario, we've, it's interesting is like the guy that was running the camera right over the shoulder had more confidence in it than the shooter itself. Like a lot of times it did, if I was shooter, I would, I would lean on Trent a lot. And then if Trent was shooter, he'd lean on me a lot, you know? Um, so, but make the decision, stick to it. 
don't worry if it's the wrong decision. Like don't second, when you start second guessing yourself is when you're gonna mess up. It's easy to do. Yeah. Second guess, it's like, ah oh, man, should I not have, should I not have? And that's where we rely on each other to where it's just like, okay, what do you think I should do? And we do that all the time. It's like the shooter's asking the cameraman a lot of times like, I don't know. What do you think? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to screw this up. You yeah. know, I mean, right. And that, yeah. I mean, it, it, it definitely goes down to the experience and the less experience you have, the more likely you're not going to make that decision right. until it's too late. You know, so when you do make the mistakes, think about it after the fact, right? Exactly. And what could I have done better? Right. Apply yep. that to the next yep. situation. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the final category, we'll let each of you hit it. I'm curious to hear what you think but it's the idea is game changing gear and so the the question is what gear truly matters and makes the biggest difference in your hunting uh or maybe another way to think about it is if i were to rob you of all your hunting gear right now and you had to start over with limited budget like where's what's the first investment you make because it's you know the most important gear decision comfortability i mean it comes down to comfortability we've talked about it in lots of other it's got to be your feet. It's got to be your boots and and your and your pack, really, as far as just what you're carrying on your body. I mean, I guess you could be day hunting and not really have to worry about the pack thing, but as far as covering miles and stuff like that, I would say you got to you, your feet have got to be comfortable. You yeah. got to, or else you're not going to stay out there as long. Would be the one one piece, but yeah. there's there's what's what's I mean, the they, third? toilet paper's a big one. Toilet yeah. paper's a big one. I mean, that's that's, okay. that's huge. That's monumental. Yeah. So that might even be more important than boots. I'm not sure. A good log. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was gonna say what's what's number three on the list? Right. Packs and boots we talk about all the time. Yeah. What's number three? Like, what's the? Is it good binos? Is it good rangefinder? Is it the most expensive bow? Is it? Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's like you don't need any of that crap. I'm just trying to think like. It's a great question. Um, game bags. You can go get your meat bags. The Born Ranch Outdoors. No. Um, ah, man. What is, uh, I mean, coming down to just a sharp knife, you know? How many times are you using a knife out there? Yeah. And if you don't have a sharp knife, imagine doing a whole elk with a super dull, no sharpener, no nothing knife, I guess. That would be very, very frustrating. Very frustrating. Cody? So I look at this in two categories, right? Like pre-kill or, or like... Um, Hunting and then harvesting? Right, right. So I, I think sharp, accurate, broadhead, lethal arrow setup, if, if we're talking on archery elk. Mm -hmm. Like that's the only interaction that you physically have with that animal before you kill it. Like that's the only, that's the... If that broadhead's not, it's going to fail or you not hit where you're aiming at, like everything that you have to get to you there is a waste, right? So I think having a super dialed, accurate, deadly arrow setup, broadhead setup is, is, is one. Um, on the flip side of it for us, um, I think having, and it's not so much a piece of gear, but more of a skill set. And maybe this isn't the thing to talk about, but like for us calling, like calls and have like if if i went into season and i didn't have a bugle tube i would be at a loss so i mean i really would i mean you could we could make it happen with some cow calls and stuff but i would feel like i'm swimming up a stream that i cannot go so, in the current so a, bu a bugle tube diaphragm call buy some reeds and a bugle tube and start practicing right yeah exactly yep so that's i would say you know simplicity side of it yeah i like it 
sure. It's good, fellas. We, uh, uh, I'm sure many listeners are familiar with Land of the Free and the Elk Project, but tell them what's coming soon, kind of what's planned for years. Nice. Just some teaser stuff. Teaser. Well, it's not a teaser. It's a giveaway. Giveaway. We're giving away the awesomest hunt of the, of the, that we've had, right? It's going to be the best one. Yeah. This year is going to be awesome. I promise you, it's, uh, we have some great tags this year, and we have a lot of opportunity if the fire, fire restrictions are going to be our biggest uh, holdback as far as if that happens. But we're optimistic. We're positive. Yeah, the cool thing is like kind of the ability to be back in our roots in our home state for, the, for elk season, both archery and rifle. Not Hunting traveling Oregon, a ton. Not yeah. traveling to other states. Exactly, yeah. yep. So... Um, you know, we've got years invested, 20 plus years to get a tag here in in the unit we want to hunt. Steve and I've got tags. Trent's in the same boat with a rifle tag. That that in itself will be really cool. Um, get back four, in the Roosevelt Woods too. Yeah, back to the Roosevelt Woods. We get to hunt with be- Troy and Matt on a really cool tag. And the cool thing for us, like we're the ability. We've done the day by day. We've done daily uploads, and it's like, what's the new thing that next thing that we want to do and accomplish? And we really want to make just quality not like concise but like compacted into viewership to when you click and watch on a video it's going to encompass it all but it's it's in a in a longer form episode once for sure once a week twice a week at some point so when you tune in it's not like all right they drug out another day of not hearing an elk. Like we, we want to make the best quality. Got to see Trent wake up again. That's yeah. awesome. So um, yeah, excited. So Mondays at 4 p.m. When you can tune in, starting in October, we'll start releasing all the stuff from September. So a little bit faster turn this year and longer format. Really excited about it. And yeah. it's gonna the duration of the videos is gonna go a lot longer. So it's not gonna be like Christmas. We're done. It's gonna go a lot longer, which yeah. is gonna. Be- so and you said you're giving away a hunt. No. Oh, no. no, no yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. I thought no, I heard that. Just, no, yeah. I was, I no. was confused. He's like, the best giveaway yet. I'm like, no, we're giving away, we're giving away what we're doing. We're working on some stuff that will, will definitely give back to the viewership that we're excited on, carried on. But the call company, we really have kind of talked about, but we've full depth. We've been in R and D for a year. Um, we've got a couple things on the market now, but a full line of stuff coming for, for elk, for waterfowl kind of stuff. So that's, that's really exciting for us. Like it's really, it's been a dream of ours. I mean, when we first started born and raised, like we always talked about it. We, we never executed on it. And finally it was like, man, like, let's be in control of our own destiny and do the stuff that we build the stuff that helps us and what we want. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see that come to fruition because we've been talking about it for yeah. years. Yep. I mean, that's cool to see you guys. Every conversation ends up with, man, we should have done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was dumb. So, uh, why didn't we do that? So, no, it's so awesome. It's And we were starting to do some manufacturing on some meat bags and stuff that we have, zippered game bags. Uh, really, really cool, cool stuff that we're working on and. Ah, manufacturing is a whole different animal. I'm asking probably the people that know that <laughs> in spades. Yeah, it's not easy. Oh my goodness. Well, it's been fun, guys. This is the uh, the first of a lot of content coming for the listeners, but the end of our trip. So I just want to say thank you, guys. It's always fun to to hang out, to learn from you, to share knowledge, and honestly, just 
to get together and and share some fun time. So appreciate it, fellas. And next year we got a hunt plan. Is that three forty? Trent's really pushing this New Mexico elk hunt. Three forty, That's what I was told. So I'm, I'm can can we like deck? I'll have my daughter like decorate our living room, and uh, we'll all we'll pretend it's New Mexico. I'm all in. <laughs> we did. Take I got away a the heat. Random though. cool story. My daughter and I were driving up camping, and she was asking me about my bighorn sheep tag, and she's like, "Are you going to practice for that?" And I was like. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to practice my bill. And she's like, I got a really good idea, Dad. I'll draw a sheep, and I'll hide it in the house, and then I'll make tracks, and you'll follow them, the tracks through the house until yeah. you find the sheep, and I'll make you a paper bow and arrow to shoot the sheep with. She's not wrong. <laughs> she was not wrong. That it, was, was awesome. it was so, like, her, to this four-year-old to hear this thought process of how she was going to help me simulate killing a sheep it was so cool. Yeah, awesome. uh, it was a cool dad moment, for sure. Kids are so awesome. Awesome. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, uh, if you have anything for us, shoot us an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe or follow button in your podcast app to receive future episodes automatically. And we'll talk to you soon.